We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with John Terry, a winner of more than $20,000 in Dynasty, Best Ball, and Classic formats in the FFPC. In this episode, we discuss who his favorite non-Saquon Barkley running back is in this year's draft, how concerned he is with the ages of Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst, and what he's doing with Devin Funchess and Jarvis Landry in his high-stakes Dynasty leagues. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's $20,000 High Stakes Dynasty champ, John Terry. John Terry, better known as the the Aunt Jemima of the FFPC, the Aunt Jemima uh, franchise, as as you call most of your teams. 
Uh, when you are not playing high stakes fantasy football, when you're not playing dynasty high stakes fantasy football, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a CPA by trade, and I'm currently a director of operational accounting at a large financial company in Wilmington, Delaware. I'm interested in the CPA aspect because isn't this like a big? This is this is a big time of year right now for CPAs everywhere, but it's also a big time of year for dynasty players watching the combine, trading picks, acquiring players. This has got to be you got to be running some pretty hard weeks right now. Uh, yeah, it is pretty busy. Um... But I'm able to keep up. Basically, this time of the year, the thing that suffers is my exercising. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we all got to make sacrifices somewhere. So uh, there you go. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Dynasty, John. You've won uh, multiple FFPC Dynasty uh, high-stakes leagues. So you obviously know what you're doing. You're a veteran of, of best ball and redraft as well. And we will be looking at the this rookie running back class coming in. It is a good one. It's a very good one. Um, and obviously the most talked about name is Saquon Barkley after the NFL combine this past weekend, he was definitely the most talked about, uh, running back. I think we've covered him enough. Uh, a lot of the other podcasts, a lot of the other content sites out there have talked, uh, you know, our ears off and, and we've, we've read uh, pen to paper on, on enough with Barkley. So outside of Barkley, do you have a favorite running back in this rookie class? And if so, who is it? Uh, yeah, I still do, and the combine didn't really change my view that much on this. But uh, I really like Darius Geis as my number two. Uh, I think he's just such a tough inside runner, and he he really has great vision when uh, you review his tape, and I think that's really important. He just doesn't have quite the same breakaway speed as Barkley. He's not quite the athlete, and I guess it remains to be seen just how good of a receiver he can be and whether the team drafting him will use him that way. So, I mean, I think in PPR, that's what puts him a decent amount behind Barkley. But I, I still really like his potential. Yeah, I think you touched on it. My concern with Geis is, from a fantasy standpoint, I don't know if he's going to catch a lot of passes. And my concern is if somebody, if a team drafts him in the first or second round, he might be pigeonholed into this sort of, um, rich man's Jeremy Hill type role, this first and second down banger, and he just won't have the opportunity to go out on third downs. That's what I'm concerned with. Now, I have seen a lot of mock drafts out there that have Pittsburgh taking Darius Geis in the late first round. And if that happens, I got to believe that um, maybe this is preparation for Le'Veon Bell moving on after this you know, coming season, and uh, or maybe before, who knows. Um, and then Geis, you know, taking over a, a very um, lucrative spot in, in that backfield as far as fantasy goes. But I'm concerned with the pass-catching aspect, but you still put him as your number two running back despite that. Yeah, I do. And obviously, um, you know, the, the draft could change some of this a little bit, but I, I really do feel like he's the second most talented back in this class. You know what's funny is what would be what would be like a perfect pairing would be him and Sony Michelle if somebody had like no running back depth whatsoever they go ahead and grab uh, you know Geis and then trade up for for Michelle and then all of a sudden you have your pass catcher and your banger on first and second down and as George Costanza would say now you got a team but I don't think that that will be uh, that will be happening might happen for dynasty purposes for for somebody's fantasy team but probably not in real life. Um, something that I've been bringing up on the high stakes fantasy football hour a lot, which you are a long suffering listener of, which we appreciate. Are you concerned, uh, that Calvin Ridley is going to be turning 24 in his rookie season 
And Hayden Hurst, the uh, the tight end from South Carolina, is actually going to be turning 25. Age is a big deal in Dynasty, and these guys are already you know pretty advanced in age for being rookies in the NFL. Yeah, I think it's always something to be concerned about. As you wonder if their dominance in college is just a result of their physical maturity and additional playing time at the position. But um, as far as these two guys, I'll say for Ridley, um, I'd argue his best college year was actually his freshman year. Um, He had his most catches, yards, and uh, tied for his most touchdowns. And he's not really a physically dominant guy. I mean, he's fast, but he's six foot one ninety, and he didn't really blow any way and blow anyone away in the other drills at the combine. So it's not really as big of a concern um, for me. At least his age isn't. Um, I I think he's going to be good. I just don't think he's going to be a superstar in the NFL. And uh, Hayden Hurst, he's he's a little tougher. Um, Obviously, he tried his hand at professional baseball for a couple years and then quit and walked on to the South Carolina team. Um, He was um, pretty dominating, and when I saw him at the Combine, actually, he looked really good and really passes the eye test, uh, catching everything in sight. Um, So, well, I guess my concern more on Hurst is that he's already 25, and if he he takes a couple years, as most tight ends do, to – uh, kind of catch on in the NFL, then by the time he's starting for a fantasy team, he's already going to be 27 or 28. Uh, so you might not get that many years out of him, but he's still so, someone I'm probably going to be willing to take a gamble on and, and take at some point in some of my rookie drafts. Yeah, especially in, in you look at the FFPC having that tight end premium scoring, Hayden Hurst is, is going to be drafted just based on, he, he's still in his you know mid-20s, I guess, um, he he looks fantastic, and you will you I mean you should get a few pretty good years out of him if if he pans out. I mean if he ends up being the guy that a lot of people think he is, you're talking about probably you know four to five uh, you know uh, top ten tight end seasons and and maybe a a couple of top five finishes in there for him uh, as well. And that might be on the conservative side. So certainly I don't you know I'm a little concerned with the age and and Ridley. You make a great point. His his best year was his first year at Alabama. So this begs the question, John. Five-star recruit coming out of high school. Peaks uh, as a freshman in, at Alabama. Maybe he's on the downside of his career. Maybe we've seen the, the best there. And I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, obviously. Maybe Ridley's just uh, he's an old soul. And uh, you know it remains to be seen how good uh, he can be. Uh, let's talk about a guy who, may because of Ridley, um, you know, Ridley's subpar performance at the NFL Combine. This is a guy that maybe has moved up uh, ahead of Ridley as, as the de facto number one receiver in this class, and that's Cortland Sutton. Now, this is a guy, John, that I was really into as, as far as, as, as Dynasty goes coming into the 2017 season. Uh, the, you know, he had the size, he had the speed, uh, he had the pedigree, he had um, the stats to back it up. And then at SMU this year, I mean, his, his stats actually were, ended up being pretty good um, in, in 20, uh, 2017. But I don't know. I just felt a little underwhelmed by him. And then at the Combine, he comes out and he does very, very, very well. Uh, looked excellent there. And maybe, uh, you know, could be the first receiver taken in the NFL draft. Maybe the first receiver taking in rookie drafts. I uh, I originally thought he was a little bit of a polarizing guy. Maybe not so much anymore. Where do you stand on Cortland Sutton? 
Well, I mean, I do think he's a little polarizing still. Um, and I think the reason he's a little, little polarizing is um, he's not quite in the same mold, but I think a lot of people in Dynasty still remember getting burnt by uh, Treadwell. And uh, I think they do have some similarities, um, you know, just questions about, uh, you know, his combine was good, but – I mean, there, there's been a lot better, and I, I think his speed, creating separation, and his route running still are some question marks for him. And you question, you know, what was the talent level of the defense that he was really playing against in college. Um, uh, but he does strike me as a very confident guy. He's watched a lot of his interviews, and I don't think he's going to get stuck in his head like Treadwell has. So I'm not going to call him a bust, but – I also don't think he's the next Calvin Johnson. I mean, I think Calvin was quite a bit um, of a different athlete than him. And, you know, we've seen some of those comparisons as well and some of the information that's out there. So, I I mean, I'm kind of lukewarm on him. I wouldn't say I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I don't think he's going to be a dominant receiver in the NFL, but more of maybe a a low-level fantasy wide receiver number two. Yeah, and I think I think what that says to me, and and I'm probably in the same boat as you, is is not liking him as much as a lot of other people. That just means in our rookie drafts, John, you and I are probably not going to be drafting Cortland Sutton because somebody else is probably going to be willing to draft him before we're comfortable taking him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, in uh, most of my drafts, obviously, you know, this is a little bit subject to change within. NFL draft, but I really don't see myself taking any receivers before about pick eight. Uh, better pro career between Ridley and Sutton, you would say Ridley? Yes. Yeah, I, I would take Ridley. I think he's a little safer. Let's talk he's, about- just, he's a really good route runner, and I, and I think that's really important. Yeah, and, and certainly when you have that polish coming into the NFL, uh, that that is going to make his transition to uh, from the college ranks to the uh, you know the pro level that much easier uh, when you can come in uh, being able to run that route tree. Evan Engram, uh, let's talk about him because this is a guy, John. He had one of the best seasons of any rookie tight end last season, of any rookie tight end in, in maybe a decade and a half, uh, quite frankly. Um, you look at um, what he did last year; kind of came out of nowhere. But could Dallas Goddard actually come close to matching that in 2018? Could we have another Evan Engram on our hands here? Uh, you know, I really like Goddard as a prospect, and, and I think he's going to be good in the NFL. But um, I, my short answer is I don't think so. Uh, I mean, South Dakota State, he's, he was playing the James Madisons of the world. And, I mean, he looks really good on tape. I know he's a very polished route runner. He's got great hands. You know, he's kind of catching everything. I, I think he will be good, but I don't see him catching on quite as quickly as Ingram did. Uh, I think he's going to be much closer to an OJ Order and a Joku from last year in year one uh, than he will be to Ingram. And you look at you look at this class again when we're talking about a dynasty format like the FFPC, where you have the tight end premium scoring. Things could change, obviously, and they will once we know where these guys are going to end up playing. But as you look at this, is Goddard the only first-round rookie draft tight end that you see right now, or is there somebody else that maybe could sneak in there too? Um, first round of the FF, 
PC rookie drafts? Of the rookie or... drafts, just rookie drafts. Um, no, I think there's more than one. Really? Um, and yeah, for me, and I think, I mean, we'll see where guys get drafted and in, in landing spots, but I think there could be as many as three. And who uh, besides Goddard? Who are the other two guys that you you see in the that could be in the first round? Uh, Andrews and and the kid from uh, Penn State who oh, just kind of blew everyone away. At, yeah, at the, at the combine. Yeah, he looked he looked uh, fantastic. That you know, as much as we were spoiled last year with a great tight end class with with Njoku and Engram and um, OJ Howard. I mean, this one's not that bad either. And and you talk about guys that maybe could make quick transitions to the NFL, these guys, um, they're all pretty good pass catchers. So maybe we do see, uh, uh, you know, these rookie tight ends. Maybe we're able to count on them um, as, uh, you know, top 15, top 20 options their their first year uh, of those three guys that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it's possible. I still like last year's class a little bit better, but uh, this one's not shaping up too too poorly. Let's talk about Devin Funches because he's a guy that Dave Gerzak and I have been talking about a lot uh, over the last two weeks. He was an interesting guy this year because he had the breakout season, and um, part of it maybe was attributed to the fact that Greg Olson was hurt the majority of the year. Kelvin Benjamin got traded to Buffalo in the middle of the year, and they were lacking uh, for pass catchers on this team. That said, he's still a very young guy. Maybe this is uh, what we saw as a precursor of things to come. Is he a buy? Is he a sell? Or is he a hold in Dynasty right now? And, John, and I don't know if you own him anywhere, but what are you doing with Funches if you own him? I I don't own him. And so, I, to be honest, I don't know what his current trade value is as far as what you could get for him. But, but for me, uh, he's probably – um, more of a hold and maybe a sell, depending on what somebody is willing to pay me for him. Um, I, I mean, I think he's got potential. I think he's talented, but I, I do think it's more uh, the situation that he's been in versus his talent. So, I mean, if Carolina, I mean, I don't know that they're going to do this, but if they go out and get a, a Watkins or a Robinson or somebody like that in free agency, or we'll see what they do in the draft. I mean, I think, that could definitely impact his value. Yeah, I, and I'm totally with you uh, on on that because Robinson and um, Watkins, I think, would represent um, you know a, a duplication of of skills in in what they would do for that Carolina offense. There, um, that, that on the other hand, if they trade for Jarvis Landry, maybe I'm not that concerned uh, with Funchess because I still think he'll be able to do his own thing out on the perimeter. If somebody let's 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 make a hypothetical here, John. Let's say you log in your FFPC account. You see you got a, a dynasty trade offer, and uh, in this um, scenario, you own Devin Funchess, and somebody's going to offer you the 206 rookie draft uh, pick for him. Would you do that trade? Would you give up Funchess for the 206? No, no. I, I would much rather have Funchess than the 206. Um, what would it take? Would I it would take put like, his value. Would it take like a late first? I would say. Yeah, uh, 11, 12, something like that's where I'd really think about it. Uh, I just mentioned him, Jarvis Landry. Um, we don't know if he's going to be in Miami this year, although it certainly does not look good uh, for him being in the Dolphins uniform come week one. Now, we don't really know exactly where he will be playing this season, 
But John, does his dynasty value change much depending upon where he goes? Because we know what type of player he is and anywhere he goes, somebody is going to be making a commitment to him financially that they want him to be a big part of their offense. So if he goes to Carolina, Chicago, San Francisco, are we still looking at right around 100 catches, right around 900 yards and, you know, four or five touchdowns again? Is that what we expect? Or is there some destination that might cause his value to go way down or way up? Uh, I think that's the case if he goes to the Bears, the Ravens, or even if he stays in Miami, that he'll still be around that 100-catch, 1,000-yard guy. Uh, my concern, and you know, it's not a huge concern. We'll see who winds up trading for him, if anybody, or, or if he winds up back in Miami, um, is that he goes to a team with better wide receivers. Because, I mean, I think – Part of his success in Miami was the fact that Parker and Stills are the other options. So, I, I mean, there's not really anyone in Chicago that concerns me. Baltimore is pretty much starting over at wide receiver. So I'd like him to retain his value there. But um, if he goes somewhere with actually, you know, another decent receiver, uh, I think his targets could go down and that would impact his value some for me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, I, I think that that's something that you have to. Well, the Landry, as far as, as what he goes in Dynasty right now, uh, again, I don't know if you own him anywhere, but if you do, are you shopping him? Are you seeing what you can get for him? Or, or are you willing, are you more on the side of the coin? Well, let's just see where he goes and then deal with that later. I actually owned Landry in one league and I just traded him last week. Um, so. Uh, um, it's funny because we made a trade and there's a lot of guys whose values are up in the air, but I traded uh, Landry and a late third for Sammy Watkins and Martavis Bryant. You know that, and that's interesting. So, so let's uh, just touch on those two guys briefly between Watkins and Bryant. Now I've been, you know, championing the, I've been driving that Martavis Bryant uh, bandwagon uh, for the last couple of years. And I would say that, um, I, I, I might be along for the ride still, but I'm definitely not driving it anymore. And Watkins is an interesting guy, too, because he'll reach free agency. Is it, it I, what you like about those two guys? Is it is it the pedigree for Watkins and what he's shown flashes of? And then Bryant is, you know, he doesn't maybe have the same pedigree, but this is a guy that looked awesome in, in one year in Pittsburgh, and maybe he just needs the opportunity to start fresh somewhere else to to really recoup that maybe that top 10, top 15 wide receiver value. Talk a little bit about uh, your your dynasty outlook on those two guys, given that you just acquired them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really still, uh, you know, kind of going after the talent and the potential of the two guys. I think Bryant, we may have to wait another year because looks like he may be back in Pittsburgh again, and I think he's going to be the third guy there again this year. Um Watkins uh, is still a guy I really like. He actually was able to stay healthy last year for the first time. Uh, and I think he was open quite a bit, but um, Goff just really liked uh, throwing to Woods and Cup. Um, and, and I think that was a factor on what kept Watkins' numbers down last year. So if he winds up staying with the Rams, and I think the offseason is going to go a long way. Um, to getting those two more comfortable and him uh, getting much closer to being the number one there. And if he does go to a new team, still same thing off season and developing the rapport with his QB, I think he'd go a long way. Cause I still think he does have a lot of talent. 
Um, he just needs to find the right situation. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and I'm still waiting for that right situation to find him so I can uh, uh, offload him <laughs> off my dynasty team for maybe the highest possible value uh, I can. And, and uh, if he ends up being awesome, you know, so be it. I'm, I'm just trying to find a, a way to, uh, to cash in my chips on Martavis. But I'm, not, I'm waiting for it, John. I'm waiting for that right moment, and I haven't. it hasn't come yet. Uh, we'll see what happens. As far as your uh, FFPC Dynasty Leagues go, John, what, who's a guy that, that you're actually looking to buy on the cheap right now uh, in those leagues? And then maybe, you know, flip side of the coin, a guy that you're looking to sell uh, right now as soon as you can. If, if, well, if, if there is a guy that you're looking to sell right now, too. Yeah, well, we, we just talked about the one. Uh, I've been acquiring Watkins. I've now got him in, in three leagues. So um, he, he's just – I just don't think his value is going to get any lower than it is right now. So he's been someone that I've been going after. And as far as a guy that I've been selling, and this this is maybe a little tougher, but, you know, you try to sell guys before they lose value. So I'm not going to talk about, you know, guys that are – that whose value is already gone. But – I, I've been um, unloading AJ Green on all the teams where I've owned him. I just thought last year we started to see signs of, of him aging, and I'm a little concerned about him. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, just how many more good years he's got left, but you can still get the value. Most people um, value him as a top five to seven dynasty wide receiver, so I, I've been trying to move him for other younger pieces where I can. I'm just curious when when you say you've been trading AJ Green, what have you usually? What's been the return on that? What what sort of um, uh, you know um, stockpile of, of assets are you getting back uh, in return for AJ Green? Uh, in one league, I moved him for the one two pick, and in another league, uh, it was a multiple player deal where I moved AJ Green and Jordan Reed, and I got uh, Adam Thielen, Greg Olson, and the one nine pick. Oh, okay. All right. So that well, that is interesting. That that uh, and you know the other thing to keep in mind with AJ Green, not only are we talking about um, a guy who who is you know not getting up there in years, but he's certainly not getting any younger. But I, I think that you know he he has a subpar quarterback, and you know maybe they'll have a new one there soon. I'm not really sure. Uh, the offensive line looked really bad last year. Tyler Eifert is probably off that team. John Ross, you know, they're talking about converting him to a corner. Um, and uh, you have Joe Mixon, who was really stuck in, in in neutral on that team last year. And Jeremy Hill might be gone. So that, that offensive situation, just, you know, there's, there, there's plenty of stuff there to give you the yucks. And if you can, you know, trade him for the 102 or you get, you know, that package that, that you did uh, for A.J. Green, certainly I, I think that's very fair value uh, right now for a player like that. Um, going back to, uh, actually, before we get to the combine, I want to talk about that briefly. Just curiously, what about Amari Cooper right now? Because this is a guy I think is due for a big bounce back and I'm trying to buy him on the cheap in dynasty right now. And I'm not having much success, uh, because I think he still is valued pretty high. Uh, you know, obviously a very young guy with a, uh, a young quarterback throwing to him who looked like an MVP candidate for the better part of the 2016 season. And, um, you know, John Gruden takes over there too. So there's a lot of positive vibes there. What do you, how do you assess Amari Cooper's uh, dynasty value right now? 
Yeah, I think he's going to be a harder guy for you to acquire right now. Because, um, I, I mean, there's still a lot to like. There's uh, There were a lot of uh, information coming out after the season that he was potentially playing hurt for a good part of the year, uh, which may have caused some of his, his issues. Um, but, I mean, he's still so young. Um, you were talking about the other guys, but what what is Cooper now, like 22? Yeah, I mean, he, he's super young. And, I mean, he's got Derek Carr there, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, he's kind of set up for the future. Um, he had some drops, but I still really like him. I, I mean, I think in terms of, of draft picks, gosh, I, I in order to move Cooper, I would probably need something like, uh, I don't know, maybe pick two and pick five for me to move him. So I mean, and 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 I'm I'm obviously with you on this. Um, we we uh, we we value Cooper uh, similarly. I think the what what many fantasy owners think this year is that the good definitely outweighs the bad, and we're we're basically many of us, most of us, are willing to buy much more likely to buy into a bounce back season this year than a guy that you want to wash your hands of in dynasty quite yet. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think the people that owned him that were ready to wash their hands of him probably have already done so. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's totally. I, and uh, Dave Gerzak is one of them. I, I know he traded Amari Cooper in one of our uh, dynasty leagues uh, uh, last year, and um, and I, I think you had plenty of opportunities outside of that one Thursday night game uh, when he lit up Kansas City. Uh, you know, he probably was traded uh, the majority of the the, uh, the other weeks because he, uh, you know, before the trade deadline because he didn't do anything uh, in those weeks outside of the Kansas City game. Uh, let's get back to the combine, John. You've you've uh, you've watched a lot of it. You've you've read a lot about it. You've um, you've had time to assess the data. Who impressed you the most? Uh, maybe a guy that you weren't expecting uh, to do as well as he did, and and maybe he shot up your your uh, dynasty boards as a result. Uh, and then a guy that maybe you thought uh, you knew, and, and all of a sudden you have all these questions, uh, all these red flags about him. Uh, the, both those guys at, at the opposite ends of the spectrum, who would they be? Um, you know, I, I think the guy that impressed me that is for that I didn't originally like that is forcing me to take another look at him is actually uh, uh, Nick Chubb. Um, I, I was just surprised at his athleticism and some of the numbers that he put up. Um, uh, he was, he's not, he's still not real high on my draft list just cause, uh, most of my leagues are PPR and, and I, I don't value backs highly that, that don't catch the ball, but, uh, boy, some of the numbers, uh, he put up and how athletic he looked, uh, you know, after I, I thought he was a different guy after the, uh, the knee surgery. Um, but he, he was very impressive. So uh, I'm kind of rewatching him and, and, trying to see if I made a mistake somewhere. Um, and then as far as a guy that uh, was worse than expected, um, even though he put up a good 40 time, uh, I mean, it's still got to be Ridley because I thought he was a little more athletic than what he showed at the Combine. I, I First of all, I'm totally with you on Chubb. This is a guy that I was super excited about until the ACL injury, and I, I still held out hope. You know, it, it, people have been recovering from ACLs better, um, you know, getting that, that full range of motion back, and it hasn't 
affected him as, as, as much as it used to. And then I saw him play after the ACL at Georgia, and I was kind of like, you know, he is not, he's just not the same guy uh, that he was. We had on the HSFF Hour uh, from Rotoviz uh, contributor Joe Pano, and he, he kind of brought me back to Chubb. He's like, hey, no, listen, look at this guy. Like, you know, I understand that maybe if you watched him in the college football playoff, all you saw was Sony Michelle, but, you know, Nick Chubb, if you watched him this season, um, he actually, uh, you know, showed more wiggle, showed more uh, flexibility than I think a lot of people thought uh, that he would be able to, to um, establish after that ACL. And, I, I, you know, quite frankly, to be honest with you, that the, the college football playoff is pretty much the only time I watched Georgia football, and that's when Sony Michelle really impressed me. So I think I'm back with you. And, you know, 29 uh, uh, reps on the bench press, uh, a solid 40 time for a 230-pound back like him. Um, I, I'm, I think I might be back. And, and the thing is, I don't know if, if how much his dynasty value went up, so that's going to be a guy that – uh, I think I might have to look at when, you know, for that later first round, early second round pick, if he's still there. And I think it's, you know, it'll depend upon where he goes. But I'm definitely with you on Chubb, man. It, it, he's a guy that I, I'd kind of written off, and, and now I need to, to kind of reevaluate. Um, uh, as far as rookie drafts go, we've, we've talked about guys you like, guys you don't like. Feel free for this last question to reuse one of those uh, answers if you want, because we're, we're talking about a, a much smaller player pool. Uh, than we would be if we were talking about a an early round uh, redraft boss. But as far as rookie drafts go, where you think guys are going to be drafted at this point, a guy that you're not touching in uh, in the first round of rookie drafts, maybe the first half of the first round, where you know a guy is expected to go, and then maybe a guy that you can get later on after the top 20, 25 picks are off the board uh, that you think could actually maybe not pay dividends year one, but maybe year two and, and down the road you might really have something there. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have a complete bust in round one, but I. But I will say that two of the guys that we've already talked about, uh, Bing Ridley and Sutton, I, they won't wind up on any of my teams just because someone else will, will draft them before before I do. I, I mean, they're they're gonna. I think they're gonna be decent. I I just don't see them as superstars. And there and there's a lot of guys in this draft that I like at running back and at tight end that. I would rather gamble on before taking those guys. And I'd rather wait for uh, a little wide receiver value to emerge. Um, as far as a guy that I could get later, um, guy that I actually like is uh, Deshaun Hamilton from Penn State. Uh, I think he's a really solid uh, route runner. He's someone you could get really late. Um, I don't imagine him going before maybe the third round of rookie drafts. And I think he's got the potential to uh, be this year's Cooper Cup as a, kind of a PPR slot guy. Yeah, and, and that, it, you know, I, I, I'm starting to like Deshaun Hamilton as well. And that, that makes, I, I can see the, the parallels there between uh, him and Cup for sure. Uh, last question before I let you go, John. Uh, thank you so much. You've been very gracious with your time. I, I certainly appreciate getting to, to pick your brain here from a, a rookie draft and dynasty perspective. The guy who really looked good for me, who, and I, and I think his dynasty value has, has gone way up, and maybe he's even sneaking into the first round, is DJ Moore, uh, the receiver from Maryland. Do you like him? And I don't know how you have your receiver rankings right now. 
um, you know, not knowing where these players are going to go. And, and uh, I, I would assume that you're not going to have any rookie drafts. I, you for sure won't have any rookie drafts in the FFPC before the NFL draft. Um, but it, as it stands right now, would you put DJ Moore, would you be willing to draft him before Calvin Ridley, before Cortland Sutton right now, not knowing where these guys are going to end up? Yeah, actually right now, uh, before knowing landing spots, um, I have Kirk 1, Moore 2, Ridley 3, and Sutton 4. Christian my- Kirk looked great at the Combine too, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did, and, and I you know I liked him before the Combine as well. Uh, and again, I, it's just more of a where do you have to draft those guys, uh, and I think you can get in all likelihood in most FFPC drafts, you can get uh, Kirk and Moore – you know, starting maybe around seven, eighth, ninth, tenth pick somewhere in there versus what you're going to have to spend on Ridley or Sutton. So, um, I do like both of those guys uh, better than um, Ridley and Sutton. There's a, it's a great running back class, but as a result, could give you some pretty good wide receiver value in the back half of uh, that first round of rookie draft. So that's something to be watching for if you are um, participating this year. And, John, what, what a pleasure this has been uh, talking to you tonight. I uh, certainly appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to do the high-stakes lowdown with me this week. Good luck in all your dynasty leagues. Good luck uh, in all your uh, rookie drafts. And uh, I can't wait to see if Darius Geis is going to catch passes now. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.